the Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. For nearly four years now, you've tuned in to hear Kate, September, and I chat about all the pieces of motherhood, marriage, childbirth, mothering, discipleship, faith, friends, all the many parts that we moms carry each and every day. But the truth is, we don't do it all alone. Our lives are a team effort, and we're each only one half of a whole. I know Kate and September would agree with me when I say that our miles of motherhood would have looked so very different without the love, support, and partnership that we've received from our husbands. That's not to say that every day we've spent as team mom and dad have been perfect because we don't always agree. We don't always get along. We don't always parent the way the other one does. But while the execution might be different, the vision is the same, to raise children who love Jesus. Kate and September aren't with me today. Instead, I've invited their other halves on the show with us to share their part of our whole. Our husbands have volunteered to be in the hot seat and we'll be turning the mics over to them to give us all a peek at what it means to be a husband and father with intention and hopefully help us all as moms know how best to love, support, and partner with them in helpful ways. Now, this is obviously the Mom to Mom podcast, so this episode is for you. But if you're married, we'd encourage you to grab your spouse and listen together. Hopefully, what the men share here today will spark some great conversation between you and your husband. So let's start by making introductions. Guys, can you introduce yourselves and tell us who belongs to whom? Well, I'll start. I'm Mike Battistelli, and I go with the lovely Kate. And uh, we're living in Franklin, Tennessee, and um, probably, and I mirror the the chronological relationship that Kate has to the ladies, to the men. I'm probably the elder, um, I was going to say statesman, but no, just I'm the old guy on this. And I want to say, I want to repeat what I said before we we started broadcasting. Jamie, you, you ladies are very brave to set us loose on the microphones today. But you promised to play nice, Mike, so. I will play nice, I promise. Okay, I'll go in that order as well. I'm Dan McCarthy, uh, husband to September McCarthy. Thanks for being here, Dan. And I'm Dane, husband to Jamie. And you'll notice that just as there are differences in personality amongst us ladies, you'll hear that there are different personalities in our husband as well. Some of them are a little bit more comfortable behind a mic than others, but they are willing and able to share with us today. Now, guys, we've talked on the podcast before about a husband's role of servant leadership, but what does that actually look like in real time? And how does being the quote unquote leader of or head of the house make you feel when you really stop and think about it? That seems like a really big calling. Yeah, I would agree. This is Mike, Jamie. Being a spiritual leader is no, um, it, it's, it doesn't always come naturally to us guys, but we need to work on and develop a pattern of leading in prayer and during devotional time and so forth. And above all, the way we lead, I think we need to lead with humility. Philippians 2, 
Verse three says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And that starts with our wives. Obviously, we love God first, but and more than our wife, but but it, because if we don't please God, we can't please our wives or lead our wives or be the servant that they need in our leadership. So it's it's something that I've grown into. It wasn't a natural base that I came from because I got saved later in life. I was in my 30s when I met the Lord. So I lived the whole life on the other side of, um, of the divide. But over these years, we've learned, and especially me, I've learned to lead in humility and develop a pattern of leading in prayer and so forth. I, I try never to hesitate when I'm asked to, to pray in a group or individually. And, and we do that quite frequently just in our daily lives. I think that's going to be a real encouragement to some men, Mike, because many listening here today are probably first-generation believers, and they didn't have that example to follow as far as what it means to be a godly man in leadership. And here you are saying it is possible. Um, I'm sure it takes some, you know, two steps forward and one step back often as you're just kind of figuring it out along the way with the Holy Spirit's help. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I would say that it's like life of figuring it out along the way as you go. Uh, I know in our home, September and I started out um, really striving to please the Lord and honor him in all our ways and uh, really have a team effort in things. We both have different leadership styles and capabilities. She's much more outgoing. And so a lot of my structure, I guess, would have been more in trying to be supportive of her to help along that way in the home, uh, in our relationship, in our service of the Lord, because that's something we've uh, strove to bring into our home. It's leading our children, not only to the Lord, but in loving him and loving and serving others. So I can't say that I'm uh, great at it, but it's something that we, we continue to work at. And, and I'm, I'm very thankful for the way God's blessed our lives as we sought to honor him. Your and September's relationship always remind me a lot of my husband and I's in that I'm maybe the more outspoken of the two, and he's such a steady rock, sort of behind the scenes guy. Do you have anything to add to that, honey? Actually, we had a discussion about this not too long ago. I have a men's Bible study that meets early on Tuesday mornings, and um, we uh, we were kicking this basically this exact concept or this question around. Um, not too many weeks back and just talking about, you know, what does, what does being a leader of a home look like? What does being the head of a household look like for husbands, both in respect to their wives and for their kids? I know we came away with, you know, I guess maybe seeing the pitfalls of others and seeing examples around us of like heavy handed male leaders of homes. And then just taking a real pause there and saying, you know what, I don't think that's what it's all about. You know, again, we look to Christ as our example and what he's done for his bride, the church. And we ended up walking away with the idea of kind of like an extreme death to self, being willing to make sacrifices for both our wives and our kids. And, you know, that shows up in a lot of different ways. I mean, you know, we think of ourselves as these tough guys and we can handle all sorts of things, but, you know, on the day-to-day -day level with our families, maybe that maybe that looks a little different than what we have in our minds. You know, I, I just remember back when I think there's times when we've been up at two in the morning with a sick kid and just being the one, being willing to be the one to say, you know what, I'll clean up 
the puke, you know, <laughs> and, and, and just like being the one to take the initiative to always be the first to give. And NASA's wife, I can say he's cleaned up a lot of puke <laughs> in his day and willing to, willing to do the hard thing in order that I don't have to. What do you think, gentlemen, is the biggest struggle or maybe roadblock is a better word for a man when leading his family well in this 21st century, either from your own experience or maybe what you've seen or heard from other men that you've spoken with? Well, you know what Dane said um, is really important. Um, I've noticed the tremendous difference between men and women in very obvious ways, of course, but from a relational standpoint, women can get together and in five minutes, they know so much about each other. They're relational, they're sharing recipes, they're talking about their kids. Men, you know, kind of do the, hey, how you doing? You know, we, we do the head nod and all that. And being able to break down into small groups and to share with one another, you know, we, as providers, there's a, there's a, I'll call it a pressure on, on men today, especially in today's environment in this world. Uh, we're all sort of striving to do the very best we can as, as providers. Um, first, first Timothy, uh, in chapter five, it says, if a man fails to provide for his household, he's worse than a pagan. So, and the root word of provider means to look ahead. And as men, um, we, we do the planning for the household and think about the goals, the financial goals for the family, the spiritual, the emotional goals. And so we set the direction uh, for the family. And I think um, you know, men sharing concerns, questions that they may not feel comfortable asking their wives because they're supposed to be the, the provider, the spiritual leader, and um, being able to share with other men and break down the barriers and build bridges and learn from one another. It's, it gives us confidence when we're doing things right, we're on the right path that we are. And if we need a course correction, uh, having a group of men that you can, you, can, you can give permission to speak into your life, it's a very important thing. And um, I, I'm grateful for the opportunities I have to, to have that relationship with other men. Okay, so I'm gonna poke back at you a little bit, Mike. As as the self-proclaimed older man on today's show, do you think that there's a little bit more of a responsibility that you have as you know the oldest one in the room to reach out to the younger man to begin to ask those hard questions and draw some of that out from him? Oh, that's, that's a really good question. I know Kate is very keen on Titus too, women mentoring um, the younger women. And I, I don't see in the... Um, in the modern church today, enough mentoring going on. And I think it, it is incumbent upon us. Now we're busy earning living. We're busy, you know, doing all the things that um, the, the head of household is doing today. But I think carving out that time and being bold enough to reach out to younger men and mentoring them is, a, is critically important. And I think we all need to do more of that for sure. Great question. Right, because I think that there's this um, disconnect in a younger generation, and correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, I don't want to speak for your gender, but I, what I see, even in um, couples younger than us, and we're definitely the babies of the group at only, you know, early 40s, what I see in younger men, well, just younger couples, there's a lot of outlets for women to get involved, 
in the church or outside of the church to have older women reach into their lives. But I just feel like that is a big gaping hole, especially within the modern Christian church today, opportunities for men to get together so that they can have Titus two opportunities or Titus two modeling going on. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an organized program. It doesn't have to be like a Saturday morning pancake breakfast. It can be something as simple as one older man seeing, you know, a younger man trying to stumble along and do the thing, reaching out and saying, hey, let's go out for coffee. It can be very informal. We've often chuckled about the extent of men's ministry being the pancake breakfast. <laughs> right. And it has to go deeper than that, because as you said, Mike, those, you know, one and done morning breakfast things, you just get the head nod and you don't really go very deep. And so, you know, young men, I feel like are kind of floundering when it comes to knowing how to lead. And sometimes I think it's not always that their heart isn't in it. They just don't know where to even start. And they need those older men being willing to come alongside them. Dan, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, a couple of things. A lot of the uh, mentoring that I may have done, not only in my own family, but I'm privileged to work with a lot of younger guys as employees. And that gives me a chance to speak into their lives, to be authentic with them. Uh, you were talking about roadblocks. And uh, I think a lot of that is nothing new, really, in the 21st century, but just distractions in life that are, you know, rabbit trails and aren't being productive. And that's, that's easy to do. I know we've, uh, you know, tried to put focus not only on our family and our children, you know, and a lot of that takes a lot of time, a lot of late nights, a lot of all nights, um, like you were talking about earlier, but, uh, you know, breathing into them and uh, being attentive to their lives and what they're doing and uh, open with them being authentic uh, with people really. And I think that's a lot of it. I've seen it more in ladies where they'll, they're role-playing or they, they have more, I think, uh, expectations on them, how they look or whatever. I think it's just their, their makeup, but guys, it's easier just to be more open. So I, I've appreciated, I haven't gotten to meet your husband other than here, but getting to meet Mike and, and he is a great role model. And uh, I've appreciated getting to know him. He's a, a real guy. Yeah, and I guess I'm trying to just remember what the original question was that, like you said, some of the roadblocks, I think the, again, I think a lot of times it might boil down to selfishness because I think as men, we can quickly and easily get caught up in, in what, what we think is most important. And with both our wives and our kids, we can just kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to dismiss and be like, well, you know, I got a, I've got a job to do and I need to focus on that. And then when I'm done with my job, you know, I need a little bit of time for myself. But when that, that also goes pretty wildly unchecked at times. And when it's all work and all play, and then there's not much time for the family, you know, with leftovers that a lot of times, you know, in my own life and just, I guess, observing, watching, you know, your surroundings, just the selfishness of men is probably a massive problem in our society and that they're not taking enough time to put our wives and our kids first and um, willing to be the, the conduit to allow them to succeed. Dane, that, that is so good. You know, uh, when I, I got saved, um, I was 31. No, we got, I got married at 31, met the Lord at age 32, and we started our family when I was age 33. And 
we've often said that had we never met the Lord, I don't think our marriage would have lasted. I mean, we, we know now looking back that the Lord had his hand on our, on us, uh, on bringing us together. But uh, it's so critical that we love our wives biblically and extravagantly that we place her needs and our children's needs above our own sacrificing even when we disagree on things it's that that selfish streak that we're it's it's the sin nature in every human being but after our love for god we must love our wives more than anything else on earth that's the essence i believe of of a marriage relationship you use the words love her biblically what does that mean well we, you know, we, it's death to self, really. It's putting that selfish streak to death. And um, it's, it is hard. It's, it's something that doesn't come naturally to us. But as we learn, I know in our early walk with, with the Lord, uh, we were listening. We weren't sure it was the voice of the Lord, but we learned to be obedient. And sometimes it was, it bucked conventional wisdom, our own and our friends around us. Yet we found there was blessing in obedience. And, um, and part of that obedience is to, is to prefer the other uh, over oneself. And that sort of takes care of it when you, when you lean into that and trust that. Right. And I would say that that's a chicken and the egg situation, like which came first. I was just having a conversation with a woman this weekend and telling her how I love to make my husband a new dinner every night. We rarely ever have leftovers. And that really took her back. Like you, you never serve any leftovers. Are you his slave? And I just said, no, I, I love him. And he enjoys a hot meal. Why wouldn't I want to do that for him in the same way that, you know, I would want him to love me well. And actually, when I love my husband well, and I'm dying to self, it always comes back at me. You know, he then wants to reciprocate and love me well, and he's dying to self. I think in our society, we have such a selfish posture, right? what's in it for me stance um, that you know, I guess I would just say to a mom who's listening, if you feel like your husband is is not loving you biblically, maybe is not dying to self, you really can't control what he is doing and how he's responding, but you can control how you're responding to what he's giving you. So I would just challenge you to take the first step, make the first move and and see how you can die to self today. And, and hopefully it will be a which came first, the chicken or the egg situation in your home where it'll come back around at you. And then if there are husbands listening, you know, this is where it'd be the challenge to, you know, beat her to that punch, you know, because <laughs> if we're, if we're going to be leaders of the house, like be the first one to, to sacrifice, not to narrow this down to one tiny little pithy overused phrase, but happy wife, happy life does apply here. I think <laughs> it does. Hey there, Mama. I just want to jump in here for a second to tell you about a resource that will help you build independence and autonomy in your tweens and teens. For the past year, I've been sending my older ones out the door with a gab phone. Whether they're going out to do yard work for the neighbor down the street or heading to the library on their bike, they can just slip their phone into their pockets and give me peace of mind, knowing that I can get a hold of them when I need to. I've always been a bit hesitant to give my teens a cell phone because I didn't want them to have access to the internet, or more importantly, for the internet to have access to them. But that always seemed to pose a real problem when they had to babysit at someone else's house or when they wanted to go play basketball at the park. But not anymore. With the Gab phone, they can have the best of both worlds, a little bit of freedom with plenty of safeguards. 
A Gab phone looks and feels like a smartphone, but isn't connected to the internet in any way. A tweener teen can call, they can text, take pictures, and even listen to music, but that's it. For the most part, the phone acts just like an MP3 player with calling and texting capability. If you two are interested in purchasing a dumb phone that looks and feels like a smartphone for your kids, you can head to gabwireless.com and use coupon code mom to mom at checkout. That's gabwireless.com, mom to mom in all capital letters. How might a wife encourage her husband in his daily tasks as a husband and a father? Now, obviously I'm asking you specifically, and you can answer me with your specific answer for your specific wife, but just generally overall, um, as wives, how might we best encourage our husbands today? Yeah, well, I, I'm a words of affirmation kind of guy, and Kate knew that early on, and she will bathe me. She, when she knows that, she wasn't bathe me physically, but she'll bathe me in words of affirmation, which are really encouraging to me. My daughter is uh, very similar. She's wired the same way. Now, Kate, I can, I can do words of affirmation all day long, and she goes, yeah, okay, that's nice but she's a gifts person and a service person. So when I make the bed or do the dishes when she's not expecting it, or if I bring flowers home unexpectedly, that is a, a deep encouragement for her. And then she will reciprocate knowing what my love language is. And um, now I'm a neat freak, she's a messy. So the one thing she could do more of perhaps is pick up. We're sharing an office these days, so my desk is buttoned down and it's the way I prefer to work. I, you know, if I'm cluttered, I, my mind is cluttered. Kate's desk, if I were to swing the camera around, it would, um, it would frighten you, but it, it works for her, but she makes an effort to pick it up and tidy it up and all that. And that really blesses me because I know that she's trying and has done something as an act of service um, for me. Mm -hmm. So I guess what you're saying to the wives listening is to Find out what your husband's love language is and lean into that. And if you are listening today and you're not sure what your husband's love language is or how best to love him, we would highly recommend Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages book. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Dan, how about you? How can September encourage you today? Well, a way she encourages me, and this I'm sure wouldn't be good for everybody, but is making me a list that she can post to my phone because I like being able to feel like I'm getting things done and accomplishing mm -hmm. the things before me and especially things that she would like. Uh, so if she makes me a, a list, something I can look forward to and try to balance into my day because we're always busy all the time. Um, that's encouraging to me because then I, I feel like I'm moving forward. I bet it helps with expectations too, because you know what's expected of you. So you feel like you are um, meeting her expectations and you're accomplishing the thing that she finds worthwhile. <laughs> yep. Or at least trying. <laughs> I had a list of things to bring here tonight and forgot them. So <laughs> I don't always do too well. How about you, honey? Yeah. I either great minds think alike or what, I don't know, but looking at this question ahead of time and thinking about it, it was it's kind of exactly where I was headed too. Is like, until you know what matters most to your significant other, you could be saying words, but speaking a completely different language. So like a good example might be like for a birthday or Christmas coming up, you know, the guy could sit there and say, okay, I'm going to work extra hours and I have something in mind and I'm going to buy something for my wife that 
I think she'll like. Well, that might work. That might be just the thing. But it also, if you don't know, again, going back to that, those love languages, that was so helpful to kind of figure that stuff out. You know, in our marriage, find out what was most important to Jamie. And, and you know, it's kind of surprising because we're two completely different people. And so, you know, finding that out, getting back to my example, like, let's say your significant other, their, you know, their love language is quality time. Well, if you just spent the past month and a half working extra hours to buy a gift, all of your good intentions may be completely out the window because now, not now the person's like, I haven't seen you for a month. You know, this has been the worst month of, you know, the year. And, uh, and so then, you know, it ends up being a swing and a miss when you've tried so hard. So, you know, learning to speak the proper language in the first place is, is really handy. Cause then you're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to spin my wheels and then, and, and then not, not actually hit the mark. It'd rather, rather make a significant investment in somebody. And I guess I just want to add to that early on in our marriage. Um, and maybe I've shared this on the podcast before. And if I have, I apologize for being repetitive, but when Dane and I were probably less than five years married, I had somebody come at me with this statement. Well, if you were a good wife, you would, and she said, whatever it was, she thought would make me a good wife, implying that I was not a good wife. And I was absolutely crushed by that. And I spent days crying and, and mulling over that. And finally, my husband took me aside and said, Jamie, who actually is able to define or to assess whether you are a good wife or not? And I said, well, I guess you and the Lord. And he says, that's right. And actually the thing that she said kind of made you a bad wife is not what I would, you know, agree with. I'm the one who can say whether you're a good wife or not. And so that gave me pause. And I began to reflect on that. And I thought to myself, you know, in this day and age, a wife is told that she has to do, you know, a myriad of things, hundreds of things in order to be a good wife. I can't do all those things well, but I might be able to do two or three things well to be an encouragement to my husband and be the wife he needs me to be. So I just decided I was going to ask him out point blank. What three things, honey, can I do well? Can I learn to do well? Maybe it doesn't come naturally to me, but what three things can I learn to do well in order that I might best be an encouragement to you and might be the best wife for you? And he was honest and he told me the three things. And, and I, I feel like I can honestly say some of those things didn't come very natural to me, but I have done my utmost throughout the last 20 years to get better at them, to show them, show him that I love him and be a wife that encourages him. So I guess if you're listening today, I'd really encourage you, you know, don't try to, to guess what would be an encouragement to your husband. Just ask him and take it from there. One more question before we close today. What advice would you give to a husband or a wife listening who maybe are trying to focus on being one in the same and, and be on the same page, have the same goals, supporting one another um, in order to have time for those areas? Mm, that's an important question, Jamie. That's really good. And I can't say that um, I score high every time in this arena, but Kate and I both endeavor to be good listeners, that we pay attention to what what 
each of us say to one another. And, um, you know, Proverbs 31 says, you know, call your wife blessed and praise her. And I praise her because there's much to praise. And I'm grateful for the gifts that God's given to her and the faithfulness with which she exercised those gifts. So uh, don't take your spouse for granted. Let him or her know you appreciate and compliment them often. And I know um, it's just good basic. It's parenting 101. Show interest in your kids, what they're interested in, uh, your wife as well. And as the husband, I think we have to dare to dream big for our families. Uh, we're all capable probably of doing more of that than, than we think we are and, and what we currently do. So I endeavor to nurture my wife when our daughter was in the house to nurture her gifts, to invest in them and lean into them and speak life to their dreams. And I think husband and wife doing that for one another is a, is a key element of um, a biblical marriage. Yeah, that's so good. I would uh, just go along with that and say, yeah, that's absolutely the case. Um, in our home, we try to set aside certain times of the week just for follow-up because it's easy to, to let these things slide by. So yeah, working together and uh, setting goals and, and then following up to see how you're doing uh, just so you can stay in that mindset together. Yeah, September has shared several times about your family meetings. And I, I find that um, really inspiring to have such an intentional time where everybody in the family gathers together to talk about even something as simple as what's on the calendar this week, but to be able to have a time to discuss common goals and action plans to execute them. And then coming back together, like you said, to assess how those goals were accomplished and, and whether or not you need to keep working at them. Do you have anything to add, Dane? Um, no, I like what you guys are saying. I mean, yeah, it's hard to add to that, but make sure you take the time to reconnect, especially day to day, week to week, because it's easy to drift. I, I fully trust that there's nothing more that the evil one would like than for, than for families to drift apart. Um, and so again, it falls back on our shoulders to take the initiative to, you know, take a pause in our day and, and touch base with our wives and see how they're doing. And same with our kids, check in on their lives and say, Hey, what's going on with you today? And make sure we have our fingers squarely on the pulse of you know, the health and well-beings of our families. And yeah, and then being a good listener and then attempting our very best to be good communicators um, as well it can be challenging. I may be the youngest one here, but my personality is an 83-year-old man. So I've got you guys all beat in that department. And so living with a grumpy old 83-year-old man is not always the best, best way to go about your life, but she does pretty well dealing with me. So yeah, try to be teachable and have ears and love each other. Well, we want to thank Mike, Dan, and Dane for their willingness to sit in the hot seat today. Being behind the mic is not the normal posture for at least two out of the three of them, which makes their time here with us all the more meaningful. We hope you've enjoyed listening in to their thoughts as much as Kate and September and I have and will, and that this discussion has given you some ideas for how best to encourage and partner with your spouse to do the joint work of parenting well. As we close out the year, we want to thank you for sticking with us. We have a great lineup of guests coming your way in 2022, 
In the meantime, we would love it if you would just take a minute or two to leave us a positive rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever preferred platform you enjoy. Join us over on Instagram and Facebook as we continue the conversation mom to mom.